What do life-saving devices, leather bags, and airplanes have in common? They are made right here in Oregon by ordinary small businesses doing extraordinary work every day. I'm your host, Linda Wexler. The Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast is a collaborative effort designed to advance Oregon's $1.2 trillion manufacturing industry by telling their untold stories. Welcome. This is a very special episode recognizing 100 years of growth for a very important Oregon-based manufacturer, Gunderson, known today as Greenbrier Gunderson. Our guest today is Lori Tecorius, President and Chief Operating Officer of the Greenbrier Companies. The Greenbrier Companies are headquartered in Lake Oswego, Oregon. Greenbrier is a leading supplier of marine and rail transportation equipment and services, powering the movement of products around the world. So welcome, Lori. Thank you for being on the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. I've heard that you've worked for the Greenbrier Companies almost your entire career, 24 years. Is that true? It is true, but actually I did have, my career started even before Greenbrier, so I started when I was 12. Really? (laughs) I don't think that's legal. (laughs) Well, I'm from Texas. (laughs) So tell me more, a little bit more about, well, you could tell me more about that, or you could tell me about when you started here at Greenbrier. Um, How did you get started here? Great. Well, first off, thank you, Linda. Thank you for inviting us to share our story. I am really excited to be here. I love being a spokesperson for for Greenbrier and for Greenbrier Gunderson. I'm very proud of, of my time here, and I'm proud of what we've done with the company. As I said, I didn't begin my career with Greenbrier. Matter of fact, I did not set my sights on being in the rail industry even. I joined Greenbrier in 1995 after moving here from Texas. And I started here just shortly after Greenbrier had gone public and I started doing financial reporting when they realized that being a public company was maybe a little bit more work than what they thought it might entail. As you said, I've been here for 24 years. I've worked through a variety of positions and I'm currently president and COO. 2019 celebrates 100 years of Greenbrier Gunderson. So what's the story? When was the company founded and why was it founded? Great question. Gunderson's beginning actually predates me by a bit, as well as having nearly 66 years of history prior to Greenbrier's ownership. It does make Gunderson quite the institution among Oregon manufacturers. So Chet Gunderson opened the Wire Wheel Sales and Service Company in February of 1919. And then his younger brother, Al, joined the company a few years later. In 1941, uh, the two brothers actually acquired the 11 acres along Front Avenue in Portland for its ease of access to the Willamette River. And that is where our facility still sits today. The facility took the brothers' names And during World War II, they built more than 3,600 lifeboats, landing crafts, and rafts. And this was actually the founding of our marine division, which we operate still today. Mm. They entered the rail car market in 1958 by building boxcar underframes for the Southern Pacific Railroad. And the first full rail car was produced in 1960. It was a side dump gondola for the Union Pacific Railroad. And now you fast forward nearly 50 years, and the facility is still producing rail cars and marine barges. Mm. 
So shifting over to the Greenbrier Connection, Greenbrier was established in 1981 by our existing CEO, Bill Furman, and his partner, Alan James, and they began as a rail car leasing company. And it was in 1985 that they actually purchased Gunderson, and it became our flagship manufacturing facility. We've seen tremendous growth over the past 30 years, all of Greenbrier as well as Gunderson, as we've entered new markets and diversified our products and services. So tell me a little bit about how your products have changed over the years. As the name suggests, Gunderson began as a wire wheel sales and services company. And I'll tell you what, that is a mouthful, wire wheel sales and service company. Um, But I think it gives you the visual of what they were initially producing, those wire wheels From there, based on what was going on in the economy, as well as a variety of other factors, whether it was the war or general market conditions, they survived by pivoting to various activities, including bridge construction, general steel fabrication, as I said, lifeboats, barges, rail cars, and for a short while, parking machines. Parking machines. (laughs) Exactly. Parking (laughs) machines. How did that fit in? (laughs) Again, I think they were, and I think this is probably why Greenbrier and Gunderson ended up together, is we've learned that being flexible and being responsive is key to surviving, but we'll get to that in a bit. A parking machine was designed and built in the mid-1950s, and they were called File Away. It had a moving elevator system to lift cars up to 10 stories high and then park them into individual cubby holes. Mm -hmm. And it occupies what is now the parking facility across from Pioneer Courthouse Square in Portland. So when I learned about this, I just kind of sat back and thought, isn't that the craziest darn thing? I mean, (laughs) if you go to New York City, you sometimes see these risers, but I don't know that you actually see them going into cubbies. Maybe we should resurrect that because, you know, parking is is a bit tough in downtown. Maybe we can figure out a way to bring that back. I think there would be a demand for that. What types of products did you make and and why did you make them? Sure. As I said, we've Gunderson has over the hundred years has built a number of different products, primarily out of necessity. And that was driven a lot by the Great Depression. But others were more strategic in the 40s and 50s. Gunderson produced watercrafts for military branches, and then they adapted these skills to build pineapple barges for the state of Hawaii. And today, the Jones Act, first passed in 1920, continues to make U.S. barge building attractive and profitable. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast and happens to be in the Portland, Oregon area, you should keep an eye out, take a look at our website, and pay attention for announcements about barge launches, because if you ever have an opportunity to attend one of these launches, and we do open them to the public, it is a very incredible thing to see. It's only maybe maximum an hour out of your day, usually on a Saturday, but it is quite incredible to see that this is something that's being done right here in Portland, Oregon, and it's, uh, it's quite incredible. So what are some of the needs that you've been fulfilling over the years at Greenbrier Gunderson that has really shaped Portland or had an effect on Portland? Sure. So beginning back in the 1930s, Gunderson participated in numerous steel fabrication jobs, helping to actually create what is Portland today. Some of these things include the Federal Reserve Bank and Oregonian buildings, 
Portland State University, and many local well-known bridges, including the Bridge of the Gods, Markham, and Hawthorne Bridges. And interestingly, the iconic Portlandia statue was delivered to Gunderson by rail, and the sculptor, Raymond Kasky, worked on-site to complete and assemble it. The finalized version was sent up the Willamette River by barge. So Greenbrier has been an Oregon business since day one, but what does it mean for you to be an Oregon company? Being an Oregon company with operations located on the Willamette River makes us keenly aware of our role in the river's ecosystem. In fact, sustainability ripples throughout our entire operations. Our products both in rail and barge markets increase the efficiency of the transportation sector by offering modes of transportation that allow movement of freight at scale. Rail is far more efficient freight transportation method than truck. Rail shipments can move a ton of cargo 477 miles on a single gallon of fuel, whereas trucks move that same ton only 145 miles. And furthermore, if 10% of the freight currently moved by truck switched to rail, fuel savings would approach 1.5 billion gallons per year, which is the equivalent of saving roughly 4.3 billion or planting 400 million trees. There'd also be a 9 million ton or 75% reduction in greenhouse gases. So tell me a little bit more about your company's values um, and how you see Greenbrier embodying those values throughout its history. So our core values are safety, quality, and respect for people. Bill Furman, our CEO, founded Greenbrier on those fundamental principles and though we continue to actively promote them today. They're important to Greenbrier and they're central to our identity. We value safety in all of our facilities and offices. Large meetings begin with the safety briefing and our plants show safety videos to all new visitors. We have a zero injury policy and empower our employees to identify and stop unsafe behavior. PPE, our personal protective equipment, is required for all manufacturing facilities and they've been designed with special visitor walkways and cell phone areas. Greenbrier maintains a commitment to quality for all of our products and services. Each facility has its own quality department and these employees are vital to our manufacturing processes. Our third principle is respect for people. And I think that's really our most important policy and principle. We respect our customers, our employees, and our communities. If you are in one of our facilities or if you have an opportunity to hear management addressing large groups of people, you'll hear this coming through because particularly as the company has grown uh, geographically, you know that if it weren't for the people that are on the ground in all these various locations doing and working against these principles, we wouldn't have anything that we could be proud of, right? You have to rely on everyone, and that means having respect for everyone, not treating people um, any differently than you would want to be treated. Sounds like it's the, the glue that has carried you through the many years that you've been, been here. Absolutely. I think when I think about the various companies that are in our state, throughout the world, and where you might want to work, that is one of the things that keeps me here, is that I know that the values that Greenbrier holds true are values that are very central to me and how we treat our employees is the top one. How would you say you've adapted to stay successful over time? I think what we've really had to do is focus on teamwork, again, being flexible 
the North American rail car market in particular is very cyclical. And if you just tried to stay in one lane, I don't think that uh, you'd stay in business. Uh, tenacity is key, um, sticking with it, maintaining those strong core values. Tell me a little bit more about your four pillars. What, what are the four pillars and what do they mean to you? Sure. So our four core pillars are protecting our core North American market, diversifying internationally, increasing at scale, right? So not just a little bit of growth, but really focusing on the scale portion and then growing our talent pipeline. So I'll start with the first one, our North American market protecting that. It is the best network in the world. However, it is mature and growth is cyclical. But that said, it's a key primary market and we want to grow our market and grow our market share. And we achieve this by expanding our product portfolio, bettering our services and taking care of our customers. And I'll pause on customers because I do think while we talk about our employees being very key to us being successful, if we didn't also focus on our customers, um, we wouldn't be here either. So I would say that our customers centric focus is really key to our success. And then our second pillar being to diversify internationally, there are many economies through the world that are building or improving their rail networks. And we have extensive knowledge and believe that we can provide real value for these markets. So recently we became the largest rail car builder in Europe. And as the EU policies evolve, more freight's being moved onto rail. And the European market, while it's not as large as North America, it's strategic because if you think about the vast amount of goods being imported and transported between all of those countries, Asia and the Middle East. And there's a lot of focus in the EU right now to, there's a lot of focus on road transportation because it's less desirable due to carbon emissions and congestion. And then thinking about our scale pillar, it's something that every company actually does struggle with because increasing efficiencies with your existing team is always a challenge. Sometimes you feel like there's just no way possible to do more with what you have. So this summer, we acquired one of our competitors in North America, and it actually doubled, nearly doubled, our rail car manufacturing capacity. But that acquisition enabled us to expand our product portfolio and enter into new commodity markets. And with those new products, we've added the design expertise, increasing our talent pool, and adding new layers of vertical integration. And lastly, growing our talent pipeline. This one is near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm constantly reminded at Greenbrier that internal development programs are really key. There are hidden pockets of talents throughout our organization. And as we grow, those pockets are harder and harder to find. But with the implementation of a development program, we've successfully moved career progression, mentoring and development away from that chance encounter when you're a smaller institution and are creating structured development opportunities for those who want them. And again, I think that's what's proven to be the key is having the programs, communicating that to your employees, and then making certain that if they want to develop, you're providing them the tools. But it is each of our own responsibilities, that development process, to make Greenbrier a better place. What about some of your biggest lessons learned? Some of the biggest lessons that I have learned is communication, 
communication, communication. <laughs> um, and that ties back to our having four pillars to our strategy to help keep us aligned. We have to keep communicating those pillars. We have to just keep communicating with each other. We also have to prioritize. And I would say this is not just me personally, but across the organization as a whole. If we didn't have open communication in our workplace and among each other and with our stakeholders, we would not be heading in a consistent direction and we wouldn't be growing the company. And the same goes for prioritizing. We have to determine what's most important and then protect it. I've also learned some really incredible lessons from the men and women who work on our production shop floors. So having that open communication, getting out and socializing, being in the shops and seeing what's going on makes such an incredible difference. Um, if you're sitting in a nice conference room like we're sitting today, you can just kind of think that that's where everyone is. But you get out on that shop floor, particularly on a really hot day or a really cold day, and you see how some of our workers, the conditions that they have to perform in. And it really does change your perspective on how you're making decisions. Um, and it's primarily about what sort of environment do we want our folks to work in? What sort of benefits? What is our focus on safety? Those are all the things that really drive through to how we, what the, some of the lessons that I've learned. And that's really from learning from the people who are doing a lot of the hard work on the shop floor. So we've talked a little bit about your history. Where is Greenbrier today and what markets do you serve? Well, it's, it's pretty amazing when I think back on it, because when I started at Greenbrier, we were here in Portland, Oregon. We probably had a handful of shops across North America, and that was it. Now we operate across both North America and South America, Europe, and the countries of the GCC. We have manufacturing facilities here in Portland, Arkansas, Missouri, Mexico, Brazil, Poland, Romania, and Turkey. It makes me tired sometimes just thinking <laughs> it's about that. It's a long list. It's a long list. <laughs> Fabulous. And then our repair network stretches across eight locations throughout the United States. And then we also have a network of wheels and part shops. We have a fleet of over 10,000 rail cars, and we provide railcar asset management services for over 375,000 railcars. So that's more than a quarter of the total North American fleet of railcars. It's about 1.6 million. We've delivered over 21,000 railcars in a single year, and we maintain the capacity to produce over 35,000 cars. And, and it is incredible. I mean, you truly have a, a global presence. I'm sure there's folks in Oregon that are curious um, to, to know what it feels like to be um, an Oregon-based company with a global market. So what, is, what, is, what does that mean for you? Or what is that like? It is an interesting feeling because, you know, Portland, Oregon is not necessarily a gigantic city. It's not necessarily what you think of as sitting in the heartland of America or a big manufacturing base. But I think what it focuses us on is being a good steward, right? Again, going back to thinking about our employees, thinking about our customers, thinking about the communities in which we operate, and making certain that day in and day out when we're making decisions, we're bearing those things in mind. Um, and we've seen a real value in being an American company whenever we're producing in 
the United States and even when we're in these other jurisdictions. It's a very important differentiator to be an American and, a, and an Oregon company. So um, even though you're continuing to expand globally, how do you continue to support the local economy and, and why is that important to you? I'm glad you asked. You know, we do consider our Greenbrier Gunderson facility to be our flagship facility. When we purchased the location in 1985, we restored the historic name to the waterfront. The facility employs about a thousand people in family wage jobs, and it provides people with opportunities not only for professional but also personal growth. We're very proud of this heritage, and we're excited to be celebrating a century in Oregon this year. I started in 1985, the same year that Greenbrier bought Gunderson back from FMC and renamed it to its original uh, Gunderson Brothers name. At that time, we were headquartered in Oregon City. There was uh, a big blue house on the bluff overlooking the river, and it was not a house that was converted to offices. It was just a house. That was Becky Farmer, Greenbrier's Director of Customer Experience. I had a chance to sit down and talk to her about her time with Greenbrier and Greenbrier's commitment to innovation and company culture. I shared the dining room uh, with someone else and Bill Furman was in the living room. Two secretaries uh, did a timeshare of their job and they shared the entry hall. So <laughs> um, it, was, it was a really fun time to be at Greenbrier. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a view from this house or you said it was in Oregon City? It was in Oregon City. Uh -huh. Yeah, there, it was a nice view. And again, it was it was very, very house-like. There were a lot of, uh, that year also, we were doing a lot of work with Southern Pacific on their piggyback, uh, which was kind of the predecessor to to the double stack cars that we have now. So we had lots of pictures of pigs and pig trinkets around the office. <laughs> <laughs> and did anybody uh, at the company own the house or was it just no, it for was the a, company? No, it least rented. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fabulous. So what, what do you think is one of Greenbrier's lasting traits? I mean, what has carried it through from, the, from those early days to today? Well, certainly in the early days, we were a small startup company. And I think that gives you the opportunity to be really nimble and to focus on what the market needs, focus on what the customer needs. And I think that's really, that's come through to today when we are able to adjust to the market. It's certainly served us well. When there's been downturns, it's served us well in developing our integrated business model where we don't just build a car, we can help you maintain it, we can help you keep track of it. And that ability to be nimble certainly uh, started then and, and carries through now. And then I'm curious, what do you like best about working for Greenbrier? You've been here for a long time, so <laughs> what's your favorite thing or what yeah. makes you passionate about working for Greenbrier? I think along with the ability to be, you know, to be nimble, as I mentioned, uh, the company has always been very innovative, not just in its engineering and design of equipment, but in the way we do things and in the things we do and what's been really encouraged just across the board across the entire company is that innovation. If you see something that can be done better, do it better. If you see, uh, if you see something that isn't being done, if you see a gap that needs to be filled, we're really given a, a lot of leeway to, to do those things, to seek out uh, things 
things that can be done better, things that our customers might need, ways we can improve uh, our business model, and just improve uh, the day-to-day activity that goes on. Sounds like it's an environment where that's encouraged and that you're getting the support that you need to to feel open enough to make some of those changes. Very much so. What's your What's your hope for Greenbrier's future? Um, what is the legacy that you would want this business to leave? Greenbrier has always been a really family. It's always had a real family feel. It was instilled from the very, very beginning that you treat each other well. Uh, the employees, it's just, I, I hate to say not allowed because certainly you can't control everything, but the culture has developed that Uh, You treat your fellow employees with respect. Um, You do the right thing. You do the right thing for each other, for your fellow employees. You do the right thing for your community. You do the right thing for your customer. Uh, And I think that that is certainly having been at Greenbrier as long as I have, it's become thankfully part of who I am. And I think uh, what I hope for Greenbrier's future is that it it contributes those traits to the people that work here and then in turn can contribute those traits to our community. After speaking with Lori and Becky at Greenbrier's corporate office, I headed down to the Greenbrier Gunderson Manufacturing Facility on the Portland waterfront to interview two longtime employees, Walt and Tom. My name is Tom Halverson. I'm the machine and wheel shop supervisor here at Gunderson. Um, and how long have you been with Gunderson? I've been here 27 years now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. It's a long time. Yeah. yeah. And tell me a little bit uh, more about your role and, and what do you do here? Do you oversee anybody, manage people, or is it um, on the shop floor? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. It, both. <laughs> sure. It, it, uh, we have a crew up there in the machine and wheel shop. Obviously, the machine shop is, you know, kind of self-described right there. It's a support shop for uh, a lot of the other departments as well as uh, handling some of the production items that go onto the rail cars and barges. Mm-hmm. The wheel shop portion of it is where we actually assemble the wheel sets that go under the rail cars mm-hmm. and we build the trucks that go under the wheel uh, or under the cars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. For somebody that doesn't know what, what that is or maybe just has seen a train passing by, what, what parts are those as if they watch a train go by? Well, it, it, what I tell my guys, it's the most important part. That's for sure. <laughs> it's the wheel sets are the wheels that you see in axles and bearing assembly mm-hmm. uh, that rolls underneath a rail car. The trucks, what we call them, some other people call them bogies as well. Mm-hmm. That's another term that's used in the industry. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, component that the wheel sets uh, support. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's the assembly that's between the wheel sets and the car that absorbs any, you know, it has a spring suspension system in it as well, absorbs the weight of the car, distributed it properly. It's what the rail car essentially sits on. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be able to roll roll past you other if it didn't have what no, you're putting the into anti-gravity it. Anti-gravity stuff hasn't made it here yet. It, you know, maybe a few years down the road. Right, right. right. Um, tell me a little bit more about um, what makes you passionate to work here. What do you love about what what you do? I think one of the things that um, to me, looking at a product, it's a tangible item. You can see it out there on the rails, and it's amazing when you talk to your friends and family about it you know you could be 
writing anywhere in the country, really. And you can see our product out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll drive past it. You'd be, you know, in Montana or Kansas, Utah, whatever. And you point it out and say, hey, we built those rail cars. Some people, they're astounded. They're like, really? You guys build that stuff in Portland? And yeah, we sure do. Mm-hmm. Same thing with barges. They're, they're out there, you know, you, probably not as visible as the rail cars are, but once again, it's a it's a tangible item, I guess, and it it's it's something that you had a hand in building that I use. Uh, you know, as a supervisor, a lot of it is people management, trying to get a group of people to work cohesively as a unit mm-hmm. for a common goal. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest skill that you know, I, I, if you can call it that, that I try to use out there on the shop floor. I think it's a huge skill. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, yeah. It, it, all the other supervisors, uh, you know, that's that's one of the one of the tools that they have to use in their bag of tricks, so to speak. But yeah, what is a common myth about manufacturing, and can you debunk it? You know, I think um, a common myth is probably a lot of people nowadays think it's a dead end job, and that's not the case down here at Gunderson. We have employee opportunities for the employees to expand on their educational requirements or, you know, if they want to pursue a degree or something like that. We've had a number of people who have moved from the shop floor into the engineering department and other areas like that. What better person can you ask for than somebody that's been out on the floor doing the job? And then, you know, gets uh, the training and everything they need and then makes the transfer to a department like that. It's um, they got firsthand knowledge of how things work. Having that hands on experience goes a long ways. And these are opportunities that they're there in manufacturing. Uh, Like I said, here with Gunderson, I've used it myself as the the educational benefit, Uh, taking classes that apply to your job and even classes uh, college courses, what have you, that don't apply to your job. Uh, Gunderson still will um, assist the employee in moving forward in those directions. Sounds like they're very supportive of their your development and um, if want, somebody wants to pursue a career or um, learn new skills. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Why do you think it's important to maintain a manufacturing presence in Oregon? We have a unique location here on the Willamette River that allows us to build ocean-going barges mm-hmm. and also, you know, uh, build our rail cars, get these products out there in this region. It, like I said, it gives us that, uh, it's a great location to have this uh, manufacturing facility here. But uh, it's important that we keep these kind of businesses around. You can't have a, a city filled with nothing but bookstores and coffee shops and, and things like that. It, it's... There's got to be that diversity of also creating something. We've got that here. I'm Walt Stokeman, and I'm the Marine Production Manager here at uh, Greenbrier Marine. I've been uh, with the company for 27 years now. Wow. So um, what were you doing prior to this position? Uh, So prior to coming to Greenbrier, I was in the Navy. After that, worked in the shipyard for a year uh, and then came, uh, came here, started here on the floor as a helper, Mm -hmm. moved into welder, air tester, then ship fitter, again, welding, brought in the pipe fitting program, the outfitting program, and worked my way up uh, to, you know, 
salary position and now first it was superintendent and now uh, manager. Oh, fabulous. So, so you've really done a lot of different things here at the company. I've done everything yeah. uh, on the floor up. So I, I know exactly what everybody's doing and how everything's put together. Fabulous. So how many people do you manage currently? Uh, 350 people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's not what I expected you to say. <laughs> that is a lot of people. That is a lot of people. I, so I, I do have a group of supervisors between myself and everybody on the floor, but um, yeah, it is 350 people that are in that are my direct responsibility in my department. And tell me a little bit more about what your team produces. Uh, so we produce primarily ocean-going barges, mm-hmm. anywhere from a uh, regular cargo flat deck cargo barge mm-hmm. to double hull uh, petroleum vessels, mm-hmm. uh, ATB or tow behind. We do a little bit of everything. Tell me, what is something people might be surprised to learn about Greenbrier Marine? So one of the things is uh, the diversity here. We have approximately 26 languages spoken here uh, at this facility. Uh, that That's not only the marine side, that's also the rail side. But we have about always in that range, 26 to 28 uh, different languages uh, spoken here. So what motivates you to keep keep doing your job? The people. And, and the product, uh, it's, it's, you know, the, I'll say the love of the product uh, that we build and, and then the people that I work with every day. Thank you for listening to the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. To learn more about the Greenbrier companies, we invite you to visit their website at gbrx.com. To learn more about manufacturing in Oregon, visit manufacturingmattersoregon.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. Mm-hmm.